Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Good morning, Hope Church. I love that greeting back. My name is Carrie Burr. For those who don't know me, I'm one of the teachers here at Hope, and I'm really glad you could join us. We are in the middle of a a series called Shut Up, and it's about silencing the lies that are screaming at us. And I want to ask you a question today. When you think of the word limits, what comes to mind? Is it a good emotion? Are you kind of recoiling at the thought? I'm gonna play a little game really quickly. We're gonna show a few slides, a few pictures of different limits, and I'm gonna borrow Tom's rules from last week. We don't need to share our answer out loud. This is for you to decide in your, in your own mind what you think, but I'm gonna show a few pictures and I want you to think, is this limit good or bad? So we're gonna start with the first one here. This is actually um, a depiction of a dike from 1702. It's in the Netherlands and it's built to protect Um, Amsterdam from flooding. So it's a limit, right? Good or bad? What about the next one? (laughs) Credit card limit. Good or bad? I know, I got a credit card this year because it had had like a, you know, a bonus. If you spent a certain amount, you got a certain amount back. Um, But when they first gave me the card, I had what I thought was a pretty strict limit and I felt like, okay, you know, you could give me a little more money. Well, then, like, with the last few weeks, they were like, oh, we're going to up your limit. And I was like, oh, good God, I do not need that much. Like, but of course, that's what credit cards do, right? They want you to spend a little more than you should. So credit card limits. What about our next one? We have a speed limit. Speed limit, good or bad. If you're getting pulled over, it doesn't seem like a great limit, but... Um, all right, we'll skip to the next one. Ah, uh, the mask. The mask could be a controversial one, right? It's, it's a limit that we have to put on ourselves. And I know that there may be a variety of answers in this room as to what you think about masks. But I firmly believe that we can all agree that teddy bears, at least, should not be masked. So, putting that out there. All right, next up we have, it's football season, right? This is actually the, the 49ers. That's my husband's team. Um, But if you know, you don't have to know much about football at all to know that there is roughly a a rectangle around the field, and that marks out the out-of-bounds line, right? So if you do not catch the ball with two feet inside those lines, or if you touch that line with any part of your body, you're out, right? It's a limit for the game, good or bad. And finally, we have deadlines, right? That's a limit on our time, a restriction, uh, how many of you like deadlines? Just a quick show of hands. Okay, not, I'm not, well, maybe, oh, we have, we have someone over here. I don't think I initially like deadlines, um, but I will tell you that I definitely operate best within deadlines, which is why I have never come here on a Sunday completely unprepared for a message, maybe a little less prepared sometimes than others, but I know I've got a deadline and I've got to be prepared. But my bathroom, on the other hand, I don't remember the last time I cleaned because no one's given me a deadline for that, right? Sometimes deadlines can be good for us. So we, we play this game and we, we look at some deadlines that are kind of, or some limits rather, that are kind of funny. 
And we can all agree that, okay, maybe in some cases, limits can be good for us in the right context. But I think as a general rule, if, if you're like me, when I hear the word limits initially, I kind of react negatively to that. I'm like, I don't, I don't really like limits. It feels like I have to give up something, like I have to narrow something, like I have to wait on something or, or not get what I, you know, exactly what I want. And I don't really like the idea of limits. And I think especially maybe in our American culture, we've come to believe this lie that limits are bad for us, that all limits are bad for us. And so this can show up in a few different ways, I think, especially in our culture. We, we might, for instance, view our rights as the most important thing. You know, we say things like, well, it's a free country and I should be able to do whatever I want to do. And in some ways, maybe that's true. But in some ways, I think that creates a lot of problems. We don't want to limit ourselves for other people. We believe the American dream that I can do anything I want to do or be anything I want to be, right? I see this even with my kids in school right now. They're very much taught, oh, she does not like that, see? Another, another dissenter who does not like limits, that's okay. But in America, right, in our, in our school systems and our, our kids, we're, we're kinda, we kind of tell them, you know, sky's the limit. You can do whatever you want to do, be whatever you want to be. And in some ways that's healthy, right? It helps them to have an imagination, to see themselves as, as a lot of different things. But the truth is that there are some limits. There are some limits on what we can do and be. Another maybe American uh, ideal is that we think that if I just try hard enough, you know, drink enough caffeine, ignore my body's need for sleep and, and you know, whatever else, that I can accomplish all of my to-do list. You know, I can, I can do it all. And we can even look around and compare ourselves and we see other people who are, you know, working like two jobs and they've got the kid and they've, they're doing the ministry and we can say, how are they doing it all? And we start to believe that we too have to check off everything on our to-do list. There's no limits. We don't, we don't have limits. Or even I look at myself and on social media, you know, I've got like hundreds of friends on Facebook and that's not because I'm very popular. It's actually because a lot of those people are not friends that, I, that are actual friends, right? They're just like these random acquaintances that I have. And again, I think in America, we kind of have this, this um, lie sometimes that, oh, I, I can have limitless friends and I can keep up with unlimited connections. And we find ourselves getting weary and burnt out because we really weren't made for that much connection. Even in the Christian world, in the church, I think we've perpetuated this lie that limits are not okay. And in fact, sometimes I think we take scripture verses and we twist them a little bit. Um, you know, we take verses like um, where, God, where Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And we sort, of, we sort of turn that into a mantra like, yeah, I can do whatever I set my mind because God's gonna help. And sometimes I think we, again, perpetuate something that's not really what the heart of that verse is about. Or, or we, we look at, in the church, we think God must always want me to be doing more and being more and serving more. And so we, and so we do and we, we give and we serve and we don't set limits for ourselves and we think resting is wrong and we find ourselves burnt out. I think sometimes we don't like limits, but maybe, maybe some limits are actually good for us. And so the truth I want to talk about today is that limits that are from God actually create freedom. Limits that are not from God create oppression. And I'll, I'll talk more about that last part, but I want to focus right now on this idea that limits that are from God actually create space and freedom. And so I want to share four things that I believe that limits can lead us to in our lives. Limits first can lead us to a limitless God. Second, limits 
call us to rest. Third, limits narrow us towards our calling. And fourth, limits invite us to participate in the gospel. So let's start with limits leading us to a limitless God. What limits have you faced this week? If you think about your life, you think about uh, your season, your age, your, your uh, you know, single, married, what are, what are the limits that are in your life? One of my limits um, has been parenting and um, I, I spent you know, the last year and a half keeping my kids home during COVID. And that was a significant limit and constraint on my time and my energy. And there were only so few things that I could do. Um, and, and I found that to be um, a, a very difficult thing to work within. And then my kids went back to school this fall and I was like, oh my goodness, I'm a free woman, right? I can do whatever I wanna do. I have no limits. And I quickly realized it's not exactly true, right? I definitely have a lot more time, but there's still some, there's still some constraints, right? Like there's the mornings where a kid refuses to go to school and you've gotta, you gotta take him and rearrange your schedule. Um, I've got one kid, each, each kid is in a different school. So I've got three different schools. That means I went to three different open houses the last two weeks. So there's like a lot, right? There's still a lot of constraints on my time. And then to top it off, I still have a 20 month old at home and she just doesn't really care what my schedule is. You know, she's kind of got her own idea of that. So this last Monday, for instance, um, I had all these things planned to do while she took a nap. Yes, and you know where this is going. She decided she was not going to nap that day. And I, I'm not even kidding when I say I got so irrationally mad at God about this. I like sat at the kitchen sink and I was like, God, God, like just, just like 30 minutes, could I, like, I just want to shower. Don't you care that I have proper hygiene? Like, is this not important to you at all? And she would not nap. And so once again, I faced this limitation of, I can't do it all. I can't do it all. The other constraints I find myself in, just as a regular human, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, um, I, I have the limitation of, um, of my own weaknesses, right? Like how often I get annoyed at things that seem really silly that I should not be frustrated about. The times that I yell at my kids, the, those moments where I don't do the things that I want to do and I find that I'm living as a limited human and I still have, have a need to, to sleep even. You know, I feel like I'm, gosh, I feel like I'm getting old, but I have to go to bed now at a certain time. Otherwise, I will not function well. And so I, I operate under these limitations and as hard as it is to confront our weakness or our limits or our inability to finish it all, the limits we experience physically, mentally, seasonally, these are all limits that actually lead us to depend on and trust in a God that is limitless. And in fact, I would suggest that in, in over all the weeks we've talked about lies, each lie is actually an invitation for us to meet God in a new way. Not just to, not just to know a truth, but to know the truth in the form of Jesus, because he is the truth. And so when we talked about shame, that lie of shame, we, it leads us to encounter God who is love, who is unconditional love for us. And last week when Tom talked about how, you know, this lie of, well, every, you do you, anyone can do what they wanna do. And he talked about how we can all kind of agree that maybe there's a sense of morality, but we can't agree on what is or isn't. And we desperately need to meet a God who is the authority, who is the anchor of our morality. And today we're learning that in our weariness, in our weakness and in our limits, it leads us to a God who is limitless. Second Chronicles 6.18 says, the heavens, even the highest heavens cannot contain you. Talking about God. Just sit for a minute in that. 
that, that this God we follow and serve is beyond containing. He is limitless. Psalm 74, 16 through 17 reminds us that the day belongs to God and the night that he set the boundaries of the earth. Acts 17, 24 through 28, you can read along on the screen here. It says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands as if he needed anything. And he is not served by, oh sorry, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed time in history and the boundaries of their lands. And God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him, we live and move and have our being. And again, this talks about, about God. God is limitless. He doesn't, he doesn't need anything from us. And yet he invites us to join him and participate with him. And he sets the boundaries of our lives and our land and our time. And I love this idea that literally in him, he is our boundary. This limitless God, in him we move and have our being. And within him, we find purpose and definition. God is limitless. And so when we encounter hurricanes and when we encounter things we can't control, whether it's a, a medical diagnosis or, or the weariness of the world or, or parenting when it feels like a no-win situation, we believe and trust in a God who is beyond all of our limits. And that truth, I believe, leads us to the next point I want to make. Believing and trusting in a limitless God also invites or calls us to rest. Our limits invite us to rest. Did you know that, that really rest is one of the, the 10 commandments? Uh, the Bible says to honor the Sabbath by keeping it holy. So we literally have, you know, don't kill, don't lie, and also rest. So if it's in the top 10 of the commandments, maybe there's a really important reason for us to pay attention to that. Isaiah 58, 13 and 14 expands on this idea of Sabbath for us. It says, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. And so we see in this passage limits, right? We're, we're limited in what we do, what we say, um, we're not just going our own way or speaking idle words. And yet we can bristle at that and think, oh, those limits are gonna constrict me. Those limits are not for my good. And God is saying, no, the limits are actually to bring you into joy, to bring you into a spacious freedom. And this is why Jesus in Mark 2, 27 says, um, the, Sabbath, the Sabbath was made for man. We weren't made for the Sabbath. See, we can twist the Ten Commandments, we can twist God's, God's laws, and we can look at them as to-do lists that we're supposed to check off, but God made those laws actually for us, for our benefit, because he knows that we flourish inside the lines of his laws. God invites us to rest. He invites us throughout the Bible to wait on him, to rest in him. We don't need to be limitless because we follow a limitless God, and that is so freeing. 
Resting requires trust, right? It requires us to believe that we aren't in control, that someone else is the savior of the world and not us. That even when we don't finish our to-do list, that even when, we, even when we fail or we mess up or we don't accomplish all that we want to, that God is holding everything. And in fact, I would even suggest that some of the limits that we feel are claustrophobic, are annoying, are actually a way that God is using to lead us towards his purpose for us in our lives. Because limits also narrow us toward our calling. They narrow us towards our calling. Now, the word calling, I know, is like way overused and probably underdefined. Um, you know, you might hear people say like, oh, I feel called to ministry or I felt called to serve this group of people. Um, if you are sitting here and you've never had a calling, that is okay. Probably most of us actually have never had a moment where we like felt this voice from God saying, verily, I want you to do this thing. That's okay. Um, but, but really, I think a calling is just God begins to, to show up in our lives and, and direct us in a way for us to live out his heart in the world. And that is what our, what our specific calling gets to be. And for each of us, it's gonna look a little bit different. But I will say that each of us has, a, you know, kind of an overarching um, calling. As believers, we're all called to one hope, to one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And that's from Ephesians 4. So our overarching calling is to love God and love others and serve people. But again, specifically, God is going to eventually lead each of us to a different expression of loving people in the world. And this is where the lie of limits can trip us up. Because you know what? If I believe that I can do anything and that I should, should do more things, then I start to feel like there's always something else out there that I should be doing or doing more of, right? Um, and we can start to feel overwhelmed by the options of what's out there. Um, and we can start to feel restless and not content in the place that God has put us because we always think, oh, there's something else out there. You know, we look at our time and we think I could, I could volunteer, uh, you know, for an anti-human trafficking organization, or I could, I could foster a child, or I could start a, um, a nonprofit theater program to help under-resourced kids, or I could, I could volunteer for the PTO, or I could, you know, the list goes on and on. The truth is I cannot do all those things well. I cannot do all those things, period. But the more I try to do, the less that I can do well. This week, I bought um, a blueberry bush, and I went to plant it this week, and so I was looking up how to care for a blueberry bush, and this website that I found said that really you should be, at least in the first few years, you should be pruning back one-third to one-half of the wood on that plant, and that sounds shocking, but what happens, I read, if you do not do that, then this thing called overfruiting happens, and so if you don't prune the plant, then you end up with, with a plant that, is, um, that has poor growth, that has really tiny, tiny fruit that's maybe abundant, but it's, it's, not, it's not healthy and whole and flourishing. And so you have to prune that plant. And I wonder, what if we viewed the limits of our age and our season of life and our, our finances and our medical situation? What if we viewed all those things as ways that God might be using to prune our lives, not to hurt us, but to narrow us so that we can flourish in the space that he has called us to, that he's created for us. So we can bear healthy fruit. 
We like to talk a lot about the story of Esther. And Esther was this, you know, nobody girl from the Old Testament. And God used her to become the queen over Persia and to save her people through that role. And we like to quote this, this, um, this part of, of Esther that says, she was born for such a time as this. Have you heard that phrase? You're here for such a time as this. And I think the truth is that that also means that there was a time and a place that she was not for, that she was not made for. And the same is true for each of us. We are called for such a time as this and such a place as this. And that means that we cannot always be searching for the other thing and the next thing and a different thing because sometimes it keeps us from really fully embracing the here and now, the season that God has put us in. Our limits serve a purpose. I'm reading a book right now by Ruth Haley Barton and she says this, Living graciously within the boundaries of life as it has been entrusted to us gives our life substance. Oddly enough, something of the will of God is contained in the very limits that we often try to sidestep or ignore. That really really got to me this week, that these limits I'm trying to sidestep or ignore are actually limits that God is using to point me closer to his will for my life. Um, several years ago, I went to a writers and speakers conference called Speak Up, uh, and the woman who founded it is called Carol Kent. I know um, some of you maybe here know of her. And, you know, you meet Carol, and she's like this cheerful, upbeat person, and you would think that there is not a care in the world that she has. But Carol has a very interesting story because her son, Jason, many years ago, murdered a man, believing that he was protecting his girlfriend and her daughters. And so Jason became incarcerated, and Carol watched as her worst nightmare unfolded. And yet, this is from Carol's blog, which was recently posted, carolkent.org. She says, Jason has expressed great remorse for his actions that caused devastation to his victim and his victim's family and to his own family. He has worked as a missionary on the inside of a maximum security prison for many years. Currently, he teaches in the reentry program. He has taken approximately 1,000 inmates through Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, and he regularly counsels, mentors, and encourages inmates at the Soto Correctional Institution. Now, I don't know about you, but incarceration sounds like, like one of the most significant limitations that someone could put on you, right? And, and this, in fact, was a limitation that, that Jason incurred himself. And maybe you find yourself in that same place. Maybe there are choices that we've made that we wish we had not made that have limited our lives. And yet, this limitless God that we follow can take even those limits of things that we've done wrong and he can use them to narrow us into a place where we can still flourish and live out his calling for us. And so Jason has been able to serve the people in ways he never would have dreamed possible. And his mom, Carol, has been able to connect with and serve people in ways she never dreamed of as well. Sometimes God uses our limits for a specific purpose. And I don't know what the limits of your lives are that you wish you could get rid of. I'm sure you can think of at least a couple. I know for me, I've talked about having diabetes and struggling with that and wrestling and wishing I could get rid of that. And yet, as I'll tell you, and I've said it before, but having diabetes is one of the reasons that my husband and I ended up adopting. And so I find that God used this limit in my life to bring me into a spacious place. God wants to use our limits. 
I have a friend right now who's mostly homebound, and I know she's got considerable constraints, and yet I listen to her, and she is always trying to come up with creative ways to love those around her, and she's one of the most generous people I know. She's not letting those limits confine her. She's allowing God to be creative through those limits. I was also talking to my mom this week, and she struggles a lot with anxiety. And I know many of you may find that to be the, tr- the case for you. Anxiety can feel debilitating at times. It can feel like this, this limit that you, you just wish you didn't have to deal with. And for my mom, she had a really, really bad week recently, and someone else noticed, and they called, and they said, are you okay? What's going on? And she was sharing her story, and ended up that this girl that she was talking to was like, man, I've really struggled too, actually. I'm really, really wrestling. And it opened up this whole conversation and this way for my mom to reach out to and encourage another person. Sometimes the very limits that we don't want or would not have chosen are the limits that God is using to bless the world around us. And I mentioned earlier that there are some limits that are not good, right? There are some limits that are not designed by God and those limits do lead to oppression. And so I'm not saying that all limits are limits we should just accept. And in fact, sometimes God is gonna lead you into a place where you recognize a limit that's not from him and he's gonna say, all right, part of your calling, part of your job in this world is to help break down this wall, break down this barrier. And we see this, um, we see this, in Isaiah 58, 6, it says, Is this not the fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? These are strong action words. God is saying, If I have not set a limit in place, then I may be calling you to break it down, to free someone, to set others free. And so when we look around and we see limits of racism and sexism and ableism, all these, all these different limits that we know are not from God, then God is calling us to act. He is calling us to stand up, to stand with those who, who need to be advocated for, to, to stand with the oppressed and the marginalized, to speak out for sisters and brothers to be seen as equals under God. God may be calling you to break out against a limit Why? Because that is what Jesus did. Because that is who Jesus was. When he walked the earth, he noticed the the children. He noticed the people that others overlooked or marginalized. He invited children to come and sinners and tax collectors. He valued and elevated women and their testimony. And he invited them to be disciples along with their brothers in a very patriarchal society. The Jesus that we follow was always breaking limits that were not from God. If you're not sure if a limit is from God, this is where, again, we talk about, Tom and I have talked about discernment. You have to bring it to him and say, God, is this from you? Is this limit something that you are using or is this limit something that you want me to break down? And I believe that God will begin to speak that to your heart. We have to learn to listen to him. And sometimes he will say to break that down. And other times he will say, all right, I need you to submit within this limit for a time or for a season. And this leads me to the last thing that our limits can lead us to. Our limits can lead us to participate in the gospel. Our limits lead us to participate in the gospel. I'm reading a book right now called A Spacious Life by Ashley Hales. And by the way, um, this book has been amazing for me to read this week as I've been pre- uh, preparing for this message. So I, I highly encourage, if you want to read more about how limits are, are, can be for our good, I recommend this book by Ashley Hales. But she says this, Jesus models this for us. 
The gospel is the good news that Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension accomplished for us what hustle and hurry never can. We do not have to push past limits to earn our perfection before a holy God. Instead, God comes near, taking on human limits to bring us into relationship with himself. And the gospel, I feel, is, is, can be so hard to define and we hear it sometimes and we don't know how to connect it to our everyday lives, but it's truly the story that God, God designed and created space. He spoke it into being. He spoke the limits of creation and the world and he designed humans to love and flourish with him. And as we talked about already in this series, Adam and Eve broke against those limits and rebelled against God. And yet God and his love still had a plan. And so God actually sent his son Jesus into the world to take on the limits of flesh, to the limits of being birthed through, by a woman. And he came into this world and he gave up everything to live within the limits of creation. And then he lived this perfect life. He was righteous before God, and so he died for us. Not because he had to, but because he wanted to. He died for us out of love to break the curse of sin so that we could approach God's throne with freedom and confidence and have that love and that um, experience of relationship with God like we had before Eden, before everything was broken. And God chose this. John 10, 18 tells us, Jesus says, no one takes my life from me. No one takes it. I lay it down of my own accord. See, the gospel is about Jesus giving up, accepting limits in order to come near to us. And in living this perfect life, again, he, he wipes away our guilt and our shame. He reveals the limitless power of God. God and his gospel allow us to accept the limits of our own human bodies and lives and in this temporary world because we are invited into a limitless kingdom with a limitless God. Ephesians 2, 12 and 13 says, remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in this world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And Ephesians 2, 4 through 5 reminds us, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions and sin. It is by grace you've been saved. And I think we hear that sometimes and, and it, can feel, it can feel far away. We, we believe that this God loves us and that he died for us and, that, and we believe that somehow that changes everything and, and yet sometimes we aren't sure how this operates in our everyday lives. But this ultimately means that because of Christ, because of what he's done, we are loved, we are secure. We have a hope in the midst of very real and present troubles. It means that we have a purpose, we have a freedom within God's boundaries. It means that everything that we do in our lives has richer meaning and purpose because of Christ and what he's done. And when the gospel finds us, it leads us to reflect God's gospel in our lives by giving up as well. We are called to give up our lives just as God did. Mark 8.35 says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. And there's this idea again of limits, right? That, that sometimes 
We don't want to limit ourselves because we don't have to, and maybe we don't have to, but we choose to out of honor for God, out of, out of love for him, and to reflect the way that he limited and gave himself up for us. We reflect his limit, the way he limited himself in the way that we live. My friend Jim was talking with me this week, and he said this means um, he's, he's learning that we can express our, um, the gospel in all areas of life. For him, he says this means work, parenting, gardening, artistry, tragedy and loss even, and the nature of the church. And he's learning how in all these ways he can reflect and limit himself. If I'm honest, there, I usually don't want to limit myself. Even, even like sometimes sitting with my kids and playing, they're like, come play a game with me. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to. Like, it just doesn't feel like something fun. And, but I, I find that when I sit, when I limit myself and I say, okay, I'm going I'm to focus on you. I'm going to be with you. That's a reflection of the gospel and it speaks volumes of love to my, to my kids. Or I look at my neighbors and, there's, and other people around me and there's times we just don't want to give up something or, or again, constrain ourselves. But it is in doing that, limiting ourselves for others, giving up, being generous towards others, that God expresses his redemption and his love for the world. And we each get to be a part of that. Instead of lamenting that we can't be multiple people in multiple places, instead of lamenting that we have these limits in our lives, maybe we begin to ask God to reveal how his limits are actually designed to lead us into his freedom, into a spacious place. And we can learn, and I pray that I and you will learn how God's limits are leading us to a limitless God, how his limits are leading us and calling us to rest how his limits are helping to shape and narrow our purpose or calling, and how his li- our limits actually are inviting us to reflect the gospel of God. So I want us to sit just for a minute, because I know I really talk really fast, and um, maybe I've said a lot of things up here. Just sit for a minute. And I want you to, to ponder, first of all, the limits that God put on himself, the love that God, th- that God had that allowed him to give up and die to himself for you. Just ponder what that means and what that looks like. Because you know, when we start to think about the sacrifice of God, it's a lot harder for us to complain about, about limits in our own lives, right? It, it brings in us a sense of wanting to honor God in that way. And as you consider what God has done, I also want you to take a moment to give God the limits of your life. It laments and-